Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. On this week's episode, I actually do an interview with Douglas Bakum. Um, Douglas is the founder of Shift Crypto and the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. Um, so we've, they've actually been sponsoring the show for dang, almost a year now. Um, so I'm really glad to have him on. And, you know, this is not, I don't want you guys to think this is like, oh, a, you know, they're your sponsors. So obviously you had them on for that reason. Uh, no, it's is a i've i only take on sponsors that i really believe in and i think are valuable you know and a, a product that i would use and think are valuable and uh and so this has been i think in the works for a while here to to interview douglas uh you hear about the 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 origins of the company but i thought it was also good to get his take on you know what exactly is self custody because sometimes I have I need refreshers all the time to try and remember how to explain to people how you get yourself a uh, hardware wallet and how the coins get onto it, uh, you know. So it was a good refresher, and then also he I didn't know this he was into uh, he he studied um, neuroscience and and uh, and among other things, and that led him to being you know now business owner of um, of the Shift Crypto. Uh, which creates the Bitbox. So I hope you guys enjoy this uh, conversation. I really did. And I also want you guys to check out the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. So um, <clears throat> I'll talk to you about it, but there's also a way that you'll be able to, if you have a Bitbox, you'll be able to buy uh, Bitcoin through the Bitbox app um, and put it right into your wallet. And it's KYC free. So that's pretty awesome. Um, so go to shiftcrypto.ch slash Bitcoin made simple and use the promo code Bitcoin made simple to get 5% off your order. And also upstream data, shout out to them in their amazing black box, which has quieted my Bitcoin miner and also made life in the house much more livable because uh, it was, you know, a little difficult occasionally i would get this look from my wife whenever we would just hear in the basement i was like i know thank you for letting me mine bitcoin in our house um <clears throat> and then last but not least my company movies plus go to mymoviesplus.com and use the promo code Corey to get five dollars off your subscription and like i keep telling you guys they're flying off the shelves, so you're going to get them. But we just released the dividers, so you guys are going to check out the dividers. It is uh, about when Shia LaBeouf got trolled by 4chan, and they played capture the flag with him, and even though he didn't want the flag to be captured. So uh, it's a great story, um, and I really, really enjoyed that movie. One of my favorite docs, uh, and I'm not just saying that because it's a movie plus original, and I'm an executive producer on it. I came into it at like the end. So uh, it was all in place and I was like, whoa, like this is perfect. So you guys will really, really like that. Um, and then uh, as always, if you want to reach out to the show, just reach out. Uh, the email is Bitcoin made simple podcast at gmail.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Corey underscore Tusik. And I will talk to you guys later. So you, you're in Switzerland, right? I am. Um, I, I talked about this before, uh, but uh, yeah, my best friend in the world is in Switzerland. Um, okay. Yeah, he's my roommate from college. So I think it's fitting that uh, Switzerland houses a, a freedom 
focused uh company like yourself uh because you're you know they're very they're very uh you know libertarian i guess it feels like to me yeah i, I would say we're probably not the only one <laughs> yeah Switzerland has a bit of a reputation for that and uh also beneficially like privacy um independence uh taking self-responsibility is a big one and so what? i think um it really fits well for the bitcoin ecosystem also oh yeah absolutely what um what brought you to switzerland yeah i'm actually originally from america grew mm-hmm. up in uh, wisconsin and i originally came to switzerland oh, it's been a while now over 10 years ago um to be a scientist actually i was a um, I have a PhD in uh, neuroscience, uh, technically neuroengineering. And I came to uh, the university here, which is called ETH Zurich. Um, mm. ETH doesn't stand for Ethereum. <laughs> yeah. It's more it's more like, the I guess, the MIT of Europe. Uh, so a really well, well-known technical uh, university here. And um, yeah, I was a, a group leader in uh, a neuroscience department. Oh, wow. So neuroscience department. Um how does that switch you over to Bitcoin? I guess the better question would be, you know, where did Bitcoin enter your life and, and how did you get started? What, 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 what got the bug? To neuroscience, to hardware. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is a relationship. We're actually, believe it or not, we were a spinoff of uh, the university. Um, oh, okay. But anyways, yeah, let's, let's start with, uh, with Bitcoin. And so, um, after I came to Switzerland, um, before that, actually, I was on a postdoc at the University of Tokyo. So I was in Japan for a while and uh, I was visiting Japan in 2013. And that's when I first saw the word Bitcoin ever. And that was on the front page in really big letters of one of the really well-respected Japanese newspaper. And, you know, it's in English, so it sticks out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really big letters. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And I, I had no idea. I thought, okay, this is really strange that there's some monopoly money on, on a front page of a newspaper. And so I, that night I started researching it, researched it for a couple of days, uh, caught my interest. Um, again, I have an academic background. And so what really caught my interest was kind of the, the scientific side of Bitcoin in the sense that it solved an outstanding unsolved problem in computer science, just called the Byzantine generals problem, mm-hmm. which to put it in, in simple terms, it's basically how can you trust uh, two people on the internet uh, when they're communicating? And it was a problem for Byzantine generals in a war. And it's also a problem for transferring money. Uh, for example, how can you be sure that the money you send to me uh, over the internet uh, isn't um, double spent? So you didn't spend it, send it to someone else and then you're fooling both of us. And you get you get twice the bang for your buck, and Bitcoin solved that, mm-hmm. and uh, that was really fascinating to me. And at the time, I didn't know, um, you know, if Bitcoin was the solution or not. But I thought this specific solution it solved, uh, and the the techniques it used to solve it were going to be immensely powerful. And so I just I got hooked uh, quite quite quickly. Nice. So then, um, how how did you? When did you form the company? When did you said it was a spinoff from the university? So I guess at that point you come back, come over to the university and kind of spend some time, you know, learning more about Bitcoin. And then next thing you know, you're creating a hardware wallet. Yeah. So um came back. So again, that was in 2013. And 
uh, yeah, one of the first things I did, um, I guess a lot of people is try to uh, trade, make some money off of trading, make some arbitration bots and things like that. And I learned quite quickly that if you want to do that and make money, it's kind of a full-time job. Yep. <laughs> and, and I wasn't very good at it. Um, and then uh, also, you know, you have, you have to buy some coins, right? And uh, having a bit of a technical background. So before neuroscience, I was also a mechanical engineer. Um, and so I have some uh, coding, some some AI kind of kind of skills. And I could understand a bit the security issues. And it took me maybe two weeks to actually feel comfortable holding the, the coins I, I bought um, using Electrum and an offline computer back then. And I thought, okay, if, if this is going to take off, this is just... Uh, it's a no-go. No one's going to be able to have the patience to go through this, at least the wider community. Um, and the concept of hardware wallets existed at that time, but there were none on the market. And this was, uh, I guess, in 2014 when I switched over to um, actually kind of playing around with hardware wallets. And I thought, okay, um, at the time, there's also a lot of scams going on in the hardware Bitcoin hardware, specifically with Bitcoin mining equipment, mm -hmm. where, um, for example, uh, you know, the price was starting to go up and uh, there's a lot of people wanting to get into mining. Uh, they saw the profits you can make. And so it was very popular. Miners were sold out. And so there'd be pre-sales and you get a lot of money funded into these. And then oftentimes there would be no, no hardware on the end and people would run away with your money. And I thought, okay, I could see that happening with hardware wallets also. And so I just decided to build my own. And um, that was in probably 2014. I started working on that. Uh, that was in my spare time uh, at home, uh, just as a hobby. And then uh, turning that into a company, I guess, uh, again, I was lucky I was in Switzerland because uh, it's a small country, but a really strong uh, community here, Bitcoin community, especially. Um, some of the core dev founders are here. Uh, one happened to live in the same city as me in um, Basel in Switzerland, uh, Jonas Schnelli. And I met him at a meetup, Bitcoin meetup. I started showing people uh, my prototypes I was working on. I got really great feedback, a uh, lot of encouragement. And then Jonas also started helping me out and we decided to make a company about it, try to bring it to the people. Nice. So, um, so back then, I mean, because I wasn't in Bitcoin you know, I, I mean, I was paying attention to it, but I wasn't in it nearly, you know, to the level of like owning it and trying to get self-custody. So, yeah. um, so that was a novel concept at the time, right? I mean, it wasn't, the people basically have software wallets. Um, I mean, I've, I've heard of, you know, people I've talked to that, you know, were mining Bitcoin in like 2010 and they, they burnt the wallets onto like CDs. And stuff like that. So, I mean, walk me through that. Like, what was the time? What was it like back then? What was it like back then? Um, I mean, did you just hold it on like Mount Gox or somewhere else? Or I think probably the the main things were Mount Gox. Yeah. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I lost some money there. Yeah, <laughs> that leaves a lasting impression. Um, good good argument for a hardware wallet. And then uh, Electrum. Uh, the software wallet was quite popular. Uh, and so uh, that's where I had most of my funds. Um, and uh, a few others like mycelium and so things like that. 
Um, but I'd say the biggest issue back then uh, was the on-ramps and off-ramps because uh, there's no traditional uh, uh, ramps available. So mm -hmm. you had to use these really sketchy third-party uh, services that you've never heard about before to, to make uh, transfer money because uh, no one wanted to bank Mt. Cox, uh, of course. Um, and We're kind of heading back there anyway, so I'll get to that in a second. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> true. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was a bit of the Wild West at the time, for sure. Um, and so what exactly... I guess is a hardware like how does the wallet exist because so i've explained it to people a little bit like it's a security you know it's like a um, uh, safety deposit box you know is your address and blah 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 and i go through that but i still have a hard time because they're like okay so like i show you know i'll show them the bit box you know when family's over or something and they're like well how are your coins on there and yeah. i really don't have a great answer for them. So help me out there understanding what exactly a hardware device is. I'll try. So um, a thing you can uh, surprise them with, I guess, is their coins are actually not on there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the coins, the record of the coins is all public information in the blockchain itself. And so what a hardware wallet does is it holds the keys to access those coins. And so I think probably wallet itself is a misnomer. It's more like a keychain, like you have a in your pocket, like a key to your door, a key to your car, um, and so on and so on. And each key can unlock uh, the coins on uh, your address that you that you got coins sent to. And so those are the things, of course, that's important to keep safe. Mm -hmm. right? And the saying, the common saying since the very beginning, is not your keys, not your coins. Uh, and so self self custody is crucial because uh, if you have your coins in an exchange, you know you don't have coins, you just have IOUs. And if the exchange goes bust, you're out of luck. Mm -hmm. um, if you have the coins on a software wallet, you know there's a lot of malware, a lot of thieves out there. Um, you're very susceptible to getting hacked. Uh, and so the best way to keep these keys is in an offline device. Uh, which is exactly what hardware wallets are designed for. And so they're basically miniature computers um, with a single purpose, which is to keep your keys uh, safe, to generate them safely, store them safely, uh, recover them safely if you need to recover from a backup, and just never let them touch the internet, never let them touch your computer, never let them touch your phone where malware or, or hackers uh, could see them. Hmm. And... So whenever you, I mean, because I understand, so, you know, it's public information, it's the address is created. Is it the hardware device that's creating the address? And then yeah. that gets recorded on the blockchain? Yeah, exactly. So um, the hardware wallet itself, uh, so you need a very good source of entropy, randomness, uh, so that no one can guess what your keys are. I think all hardware wallets are, are pretty good at that now. Um, but there were some issues like back in 2013, there's a lot of issues with uh, software wallets and web wallets where people could guess the, the random numbers because mm. they weren't using a good source of randomness. Um, and so, yeah, the, that's step one to generate these keys. And from these keys, um, it's called uh, 
private key, public key cryptography. So you have a private part, which you use to sign and a public part, which you can give to others. And using that public part, that's where the addresses come. And so that's what you give to people. That's what you send to the blockchain. That's what the blockchain is keeping track of is which uh, key, which address has how many coins. Okay. So like you have, um, I guess you, you, you buy a Bitbox, you, you open it up is the, when you, when you start up the device, it, what generates the, what's the, what's used for the entropy to generate the, the random, uh, address. Yeah. So good question. That's an important one. So on the Bitbox, we actually use, I believe five different sources of entropy, five different sources of randomness. And using some cryptographic magic, um, you can basically uh, combine, cryptographically combine all these sources such that the strength of the output is as strong as the strongest key, not the weakest key. So you can only add strength um, uh, to the entropy sources. Uh, and so with the Bitbox, we have, um, uh, it's called a true random number generator on our secure chip. Uh, we have a true random number generator on our microcontroller, which is a mini computer. Uh, we also take um, entropy from the user itself through the user password, uh, but also the, um, the app running will send some random numbers to the device. And the fourth one is something we set ourselves at the factory installation, which is randomness from the, the computer we use to uh, do the factory installation. And so using all these sources, um, uh, we can be quite confident that you have a really strong source of entropy, strong source of randomness. And moreover, you're not susceptible to a failure in any one part of those. You have to fail in all, all five parts. Mm. Okay. Um, and then, so the address gets created when you start up the device and when you want to send coins, say from the exchange, it's all it's doing is notifying like when you send them from the exchange the miners and nodes verify that these coins went from this exchange wallet to this new address and it puts them in that it put it moves them it gets verified you know after all the verifications and then it's you know cemented um and then in the future, you can send more coins to that same address, but each wallet, right, makes like, I mean, how many addresses does a wallet make? Um, in, in practice, it's basically infinite. Mm. Um, and uh, there's a, a, a protocol based off of, or a protocol that's based off of, um, uh, which existed, I guess, started around 2013 or 2014 also. <laughs> where you can, from a single, what's called a seed, you can derive basically an infinite number of addresses and keys. Um, and so you just uh, say, okay, I want a key, the first key, the second key, the third key, it's called the key path. Uh, and you can get all the addresses to your wallet from a single seed. So that, in, that's, uh, that's another fascinating part is the seed phrase. like whenever I try and tell people they're like, well, how do you, you know, unlock it? I'm like, Oh, it's these like, you know, 24 random words. And they're like, they just look at you like, what are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> um, you know, cause like they'll expect it to be like 
a saying or a phrase that you come up with, like a password. And I'm like, well, it's kind of like a password, but like it generates it for you. And it's like, oh, okay, well, it must be like of some, is it like a sentence? And I'm like, no, it'll be like, you know, frog, tree, (laughs) sky, you know, like it's, it's just, it's purely random. So what are those words? (laughs) <laughs> where do they come from and, and how do they input, you know, how do they work as the seed phrase? Yeah, I, I can imagine people looking at you. With, uh, like it's like I have like two heads and I'm like, uh, I don't, you know, they're like, don't you have like a password and you can just reset it? And I'm like, not really. Um, so um, yeah, the mnemonic word list, the 12 or 24 sets of words. Um, so it's a pretty clever thing. Uh, basically, it's just transforming a random number this entropy that you generate for your seed into a set of words from a word list. There's about 2000 words in that word list. And that's enough words to have, um, uh, you know, basically infinite possibilities of, of seeds. And so uh, a lot of people get worried, oh, wouldn't someone else just generate the same set of words? And that's feasibly, or it's, basically infeasible in the sense that the number of possibilities is I think more than the number of atoms in the observable universe. Um, Yeah. So you don't have to worry about that. And then uh, it's pretty clever approach, I would say, because it helps people um, remember their seeds better and also avoid making mistakes when they're copying it down or or rewriting it. Uh, Because the normal way to well, it's a binary number, right? So one way to represent that was with just random numbers and letters. So a long string of 64, uh, uh, not 64, but a long, long string of just random uh, characters. That's really easy to, to mess up and make mistakes. And so the mm-hmm. word list was designed to make it, make that easier. Um, that said, with, with the Bitbox, we do um, follow that standard, but we try to hide it from the user. Uh, because exactly this issue, this uh, people not understanding what a mnemonic is, uh, when you set up most wallets, uh, it can take 20 to 30 minutes to do the setup. And the long, the reason for that is you need to copy down these words. Um, it's very stressful for people we found in the sense that they don't understand what's happening. If you make one mistake with one letter, you could be locked out of your funds, not be able to recover them. And uh yeah, it's just, it's not so, not so nice from the user experience. And so what we do instead is we have a onboard the mic onboard the Bitbox is a micro SD card slot. And so we take this word list and we just save it to the, the micro SD card slot. And so a setup with a Bitbox is pretty painless, it can take uh, a minute or so. And people understand the concept of a backup. Uh, and so it's a lot more familiar for people. And basically, you just take this SD card. You don't need to use it when you use the device. Uh, you just store it somewhere safe, just like you'd store a uh, word list somewhere safe. Hmm. Um, okay, so you guys take the you know the worry out of, and that's one thing I liked about the the Bitbox is that because the first time I used a hardware wallet, I was like what did I get myself into? You know, like it made me like question Bitcoin in general. I'm like, is this feasible going forward? 
you know, and it, it is, it's just, it's a stressful experience. Like that's a, probably the best way to, I mean, you're in the business of this, so you get it, but that's a, I think a very accurate way to describe it is uh, it's, it's very stressful. And afterwards you're like, okay. You know, like I got that done. Um, but I mean, what, is that something that you also led to like the simplification of the design, you know, and, you know, cause what I always, you know, brag about to people is I'm like, look, you know, if you're super technical and you want to, you know, people can create wallets, you know, however they want to create them, you know, on CDs and random stuff like that. I was like, but this is not intimidating. And, and I always say a lot of times in like the, the reads, I'll be like, you know, I literally it, like, sometimes can be addicting to send more funds off of the exchange. You know, like the first time I did it, I was like, okay, I'm going to move a little bit. And I was like, Oh, that was easy. Move a little more, move a little more. Um, So now it's like, then I started buying just so that I could transfer. And I was like, okay, this is going to get dangerous real quick. Cause I'm just going to buy more Bitcoin than I can afford at the moment. Um, But yeah, I, I guess. It, so it's something I like about it, but uh you know, I guess address the market need and what you were seeing at the time whenever you guys decided to to take that simplified route. Yeah. So I, I of course, I'm biased. I, I think we do have the the highest uh, or the best security model uh, for a lot of different reasons. But um, what we found though is that in order to to sell devices, people just kind of assume you you have good security. So what you really need to do is um, make it easy for them, make them comfortable. And so that's been a big focus of our company. Uh, the SD card is one, uh, but we have a number of other um, uh, things also that go into that, including a very minimal app. Uh, and we try to take away as much complexity as we can and make it as simple as possible for the user. I guess one of the, the motivations for me to actually turn uh, the Bitbox into a company was because I saw that there is a really immense potential for, for this to kind of change the world in, in a lot of different ways. And you know, if I could you know, help people who are interested to get involved such that you don't have to be very technical, you, know, you don't need all this technical understanding. If I could equip people with tools, like empower them to take part, um, I thought that would be quite, quite special and rewarding. And so that was a big focus for me or big motivation for me to uh, go ahead and try to start a company and bring such tools to the people. So you guys are listening to me talk to Douglas, who is the founder of Shift Crypto and the creator of the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. And I hope you guys are enjoying this conversation, but I wanted to just drop in a message that you guys should stop what you're doing. And if you do not have a hardware wallet. If you do not have a Bitbox, go to shiftcrypto.ch slash Bitcoin made simple and grab yourself a Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. Use the promo code Bitcoin made simple to get 5% off your order. And uh, like I said, I mean, you hear us talk about it in this interview. I can't remember uh, based on where I dropped this, if I've talked about it yet or not with Douglas, but the simplistic design is where it's at. It makes it so simple. And like he describes in this uh, episode, their goal was to make self-custody less stressful um and they do a great job with that so go to shiftcrypto.ch slash bitcoin made simple and get the least stressful hardware wallet in the world and also the sleek and sexiest one as luke would say so uh 
go shiftcrypto.ch slash Bitcoin Made Simple. And again, use promo code Bitcoin Made Simple to get 5% off. Yeah, make it easier for people. Uh, I always joke and tell to say, I'm like, you know, if a smooth brain person like me can do it, then then anyone can do it. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's, um, yeah, it, and I, I can't stress to people the importance of, you know, <laughs> of getting your, your coins off the exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and do you think, um, I mean, I'm sure you've seen a different, a, a interesting business trajectory here during the bear market. Cause inevitably during a bear market, there's going to be lulls and ups and downs, you know, I mean, like I even see, you know, the, the podcast is surprisingly still doing well. Um, you know, but like at peak bull market, you know, it was like, I was like, Oh my God, I'm like going to be like Joe Rogan or something. You know, there's just so many people listening, talking about Bitcoin. Um, and, you know, so there's lulls and we get it. And I'm, but uh, I have to think that you guys have seen an interesting bear market here because this bear market has really been built around self custody, I think. You know, that's been the main theme of this bear market. Um, what have you guys seen, you know, business wise? Because I'm sure there were some down parts, but are people taking self custody seriously? Yeah. So, um, we definitely see that. We see a definite growing awareness of the need for hardware wallets, the need for self custody, what, what function it actually serves. And I mean, there can't be any better advertisement. Uh, you know, it's un- unfortunate, but it's it's a good advertisement for hardware wallets is the FTX uh, collapse. Mm-hmm. So after that, we saw, I think, our, our best week of sales ever. Oh, wow. Um, and this was, when was this? In November, I believe. And the uh, bear market, uh, the downward trajectory started last January, a year ago, over a year ago. And so despite the, the downward trend in the market, we get huge uh, peaks in sales due to events like FTX and prior to that Celsius. And also the January 3rd, the... Um, um, Oh, I forget what it's called. <laughs> Where, yeah, um, the the Bitcoin anniversary, but it's also now uh, get your keys off the exchanges. So, like, try to yeah. do a forcible proof of reserve, um, and that's also a huge spike uh, in, in sales for us. And so, we definitely see a growing awareness. Um, of course, overall uh, bear market, uh, you get less and less. Um, uh, I guess, new people coming into the space. And so from a hardware wallet uh, perspective, new people is where where the customers are, are going to come from. But it's been uh, much, much better than uh, the previous uh, bear market four years ago. Yeah, I could imagine. I mean, you don't want to see people lose their funds, but, you know, it was just, like I tell people, I'm like, look, if, you know, I don't, I'm not going to take it just a, any sponsor, you know, and you guys obviously have sponsored the show. So, you know, I greatly appreciate that. But like, you know, if anyone here has gotten into the Bitcoin space, you see all the spam that you get of people trying to get you to do different things. And then if you run a podcast, there's an increase, you know, and you could easily shell out and just, you know, go the crypto route and, you know, make some money um, at the, at you know, the, I guess, you know, on other people's backs but 
uh, I was very specific. I was like, if I'm going to bring somebody on, I got to really, it's got to be something that first of all, is a product I like. And second of all is like important for Bitcoin. Um, so it's been so easy to try and like, you know, just talk to people about it in the podcast. I'm like, look, like, I don't know what other, what else you guys need. Like the best advertisement possible is that all of your funds could immediately be gone because these companies are rehypothecating it. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, I sleep very soundly knowing that my coins are off the exchange. Um, I've also found too, that, uh, I feel as though, cause it's very simple to send the money, you know, like say if I, if I needed to send, you know, however much Bitcoin to somebody, to you right now from the BitBox, like, Hey, go get it, you know, in my undisclosed location behind the certain security that it's, you know, behind and, you know, plug it in and within, you know, five minutes have the transaction processing. And, and the only thing that really takes time is the actual on-chain transaction, which is what happens anywhere with Bitcoin, but it's really not that hard. It doesn't take that long. And um, the fees are, the fees have gone up here recently, but like for the most part, the, the fees are like peanuts, you know, it's, it doesn't, it's less than a credit card transaction. Um, so, you know, it's, it's very simple, but even though it's that simple to get it on when there is say a, you know, 20% dip in the price, if it's on an app on your phone and you can within two, three clicks of your thumb, sell it. I feel, I feel as though a hardware wallet is a protection against from impulse selling. <laughs> uh, do you guys see that? Um. I don't know if that's necessarily a marketing term you want to use, but I, I tell people like it saves you from being like, Oh my God, the price. And then you sell. And then you're like, Oh, why did I do that? Um, okay. um, it raises the barrier. Yeah. <laughs> but still it, it's a bit easy to use. So maybe it's too easy to use in that sense. Um, so probably the, be the better thing would be to uh, yeah, stick to um, yeah, a backup on a piece of metal or a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh yeah it's probably the the best way to if you want to make it even harder i've thought about it. i've told people before what i'm going to do and i joke with my wife about this i said what i'm going to do for our kids is i'm going to send them on like a national treasure level hunt around the world to like recover the keys and be able to recover the wallet um so that whenever we die at the beginning, it'll be, it'll be like therapeutic because at the beginning they'll be like, you know, they'll be sad that we're gone and then it'll take them so long and be so difficult for them to recover it, you know, traveling the world that they'll be like MFing us by the end. And they'll be like, you know what? I'm glad he's gone. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so maybe at the end of that, you know, rainbow, there'll be the Bitbox device that, uh, that we could, you know, um, put in place and, and have them, uh, have them, you know, recover it. Uh, I've also thought too, I want to pitch a show idea to you because my background's in the movie and film TV industry. Um, so what do you think about the idea of a show where there's a Bitbox hardware wallet with Bitcoin on it and we leave a trail of breadcrumbs and just open it up to people like, Hey, here's the initial clues. Um, 
and you can find it if you want to find it. Uh, do you think people would tune into something like that? It's uh, there's there's an actual real bitbox at the end. Yeah, like a real bitbox at the end, and they they, they have money. yeah, it has the money on it, and you know it has the Bitcoin on it, uh, and they have to you know follow the trail of clues and and decipher different things, almost like an amazing race type thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know it could. It, I think it. I think it'd be fun because then you could just you could open up the first set of clues and be like, hey, look, this is for anybody to find. You know. I think that would be a fun show. <laughs> you think you think people would join in and, and search for how much Bitcoin would be required to be on there for people to really jump into it? Good question. I don't know. Um, that's going to depend on their jurisdiction, I guess. Um, yeah. Maybe stick to the U.S. Um, yeah, probably something in the five digits would work. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, what are we at now, price wise? It's like twenty five. Because I always thought, like, oh, you do like one solid Bitcoin, you know. But then, like, when the price was down to like fifteen, I was like, I mean, it's still a lot. But you know, if you're, if someone's gonna travel all over the country, you know, mm-hmm. to find different pieces and try and pull it together, you know, it it uh, it has to cover their travel costs. Yeah, yeah, they have to. They can't be. I would think at most spending $2,500 hunting something down that's worth 25,000, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it, I think that'd be, that'd be fascinating. So good to know that, uh, if you, you think you like the idea. So if I come in and say, Hey, w- let's use a bit box, uh, you're not gonna be like, what in the world is this? <laughs> sure. Um, so like w- w- we talked about, you mentioned earlier with the banking, earlier the off ramps on ramps this is a little bit less to do with hardware wallet but also i think underlines the importance of having a hardware wallet um do you think we're going to be heading back towards you know because in 2014 you said it was you know the on and off ramps weren't really there you couldn't you couldn't use your local bank uh to transfer money directly into an exchange uh and now we've seen with this like recent events of svb and everything and there seems to be a choke point coming on to bitcoin um where they're trying to choke it off and uh, close the on-ramps uh do you think we're heading in that direction what do you think it's going to look like over the next couple of years yeah it's hard hard to say but i mean one thing of course the one of the unique things about bitcoin is it's decentralized uh, so mm-hmm. censorship resistant, you can't stop it, right? Yeah. So Bitcoin, you can't stop. Fiat, of course, governments have some control there. They can try to stop it. Uh, but the thing is, since it's decentralized, that means lots of other countries can also do something with it. And so even if the U.S. completely shuts it off, there's going to be other countries that are still going to be accessible. Um, and right now, like the it looks like the choke points with the recent bank closures are for um us businesses rather than um us individuals like private individuals so private mm-hmm. individuals i think all the on ramps off ramps are still there they're all fully functional and you have exchanges you know on the stock exchange uh, and so uh, i think that's going to continue um 
And the U.S. also, you know, each state is has kind of its own rules, so it's a bit decentralized in that sense too. Uh, so whatever, you know, if New York wants to try to stop things, but California doesn't, you know, good good for the people in the whole country. Mm -hmm. uh, but as far as um, like the big uh, the big banks serving businesses, you know, there's a lot of banks around the world, uh, and so you know, businesses can find banking relationships with, with other banks uh, and maybe a bit more favorable at the moment jurisdictions. And I think, yeah, it's probably going to be some headaches uh, for a while, um, but there's a solution to it. And the thing is, it's like cryptocurrency as a whole is a trillion dollar um, market cap at the moment. Uh, and so there's a lot of money there. And if there's a lot of money there, there's going to be people wanting to, you know, take advantage of it and make money off of it. Mm-hmm. There's enough capitalistic uh, uh, ecosystems in the world that I'm I'm not too worried about it long term. Um, yeah, I, I have a feeling if you are a company that walks into the bank right now and says, "Hi, I'm a you know Bitcoin company, and we're strictly Bitcoin," uh, you know, we're I mean, I don't know though because like it depends. You know, say you're starting. What do you think if you're starting a a mining company, you know, that's not necessarily, you know, you're not trying to be an exchange or anything like that. You're just mining or, or a hardware wallet, you know, like you're, you're trading goods and services. Um, and even though you're a Bitcoin company, it's really, it's still working through fiat, you know, it, mm. it's, it's, uh, I, I don't see that as being something that they see as risky. What do you think? Um, yeah, um, yeah, I would agree with that. And I think in in our particular case also, you know, we're not directly dealing with uh, coins ourselves. We're selling hardware, really, selling wallets that people can use for their own coins. Um, and I think, yeah, also, yeah, I'd agree with that. Also, I'm not so worried. Yeah. Um, now, you mentioned you were into... you you know, studied neuroscience um, and all that. And you mentioned AI at one point was something you were uh, dealing with probably way before anybody was even thinking about it. Um, so what was your background in AI? Yeah. Um, so I actually have um, a yeah, bachelor's, master's degrees in mechanical engineering. And I was focusing on robotics uh, and some AI, things like that. And that's actually what led me into neuroscience because um, okay. this, this is a while ago. Uh, so things are, are, are different now, but back then I, I really felt that AI itself, the algorithms being used were extremely primitive. I, I think they probably still are. I'm not into the field as much anymore. Uh, although um, you can still get quite phenomenal results out of it. And so I thought, it was so primitive that, you know, more, more research needs to be done on the, just the theory behind like AI algorithms and stuff like that. And so I decided to switch to neuroscience to study real intelligence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, my, my uh, research in neuroscience was studying how networks and neurons communicate and how that could lead to learning and memory. And so my, my idea was to jump into neuroscience for a bit try to pick something up and then maybe jump back into AI later. But yeah, I got stuck into neuroscience and then um, uh, transitioned into 
uh, Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. As one maybe, maybe maybe when I retire, I can jump back into AI. <laughs> um, yeah, it's fascinating to me the AI conversation because you know when people are like, oh, you know, computer would never really be you know possible of doing different things, and I'm like, you realize there is electricity in our body, like you know. Like we, our neural network, you know, our, our, our synapses are, you know, like there's electricity going in your brain. And, um, you know, even like I'm reading these books with my kids about they're fascinated right now with like orcas and sharks and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, in there, it's talking about how sharks will use their sensors to um, pick up on electrical signals from other animals. Uh, and so I'm like sitting there like, I don't know, like in a way we're kind of robots, you know, like it's like we're robots with made of organic material. Um, and so it, I don't think it's a crazy to think about. Um, have you, I mean, I'm sure it just came out today that chat GPT four, um, but what have you played around with that at all? What do you think that poses for the future of like day-to-day stuff you know i mean people the new one i think they said it's like crushing the bar exam and like sats all that kind of stuff uh so is it something we should be worried about or excited about um yeah i mean in general with any new technology can be used for good and evil um and so it's really what people do with it i think when it comes to ai uh what scares people a bit is that they think, okay, it's not going to be people doing something with AI. It's going to be AI doing something with AI. Uh, and so, and then there's a fear of, okay, is, yeah, is AI evil and things like that. Um, I'm not really worried about it. Um, and I think part of it is, um, you know, may, maybe a long time in the future, It'll be different, but in the short term, I'm not really worried about it. And so, yeah, ChatGPT is doing like really phenomenal, amazing things. Um, but it's still, I, w- I would say, a bit limited. So the what I've played with, um, you know, used used it a bit. It's really amazing, but it's really uh, some people, you know, call it basically like uh, a new way to kind of do search. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. With AI algorithms today, um, you have to feed it data. You have to train it on data. And so even chat GPT, as far as I understand, is humans basically saying, okay, this is correct, this is not correct, this is correct, this is not correct. So there's a lot of human involvement in actually training the AI itself. And so to say it's like an autonomous AI thing, I think is is not true. There's still a huge human element into uh, this. Uh, both in terms of being trained and also being the data sets being trained on, uh, which are all generated by humans. Um, and I think, uh, so yeah, a really great way to do search right now uh, and to um, take search data and compile it into very useful things uh, like uh, essays and, and whatever, uh, beautiful art, um, sure. Uh, but if you, look at, um, and so I think what a lot of people underestimate if they're not into the biological sciences is actually the amount of complexity that exists in, in biological creatures. And so 
for example, yes, the, the brain uses electrical signals to communicate with itself. Um, but the thing is, it does this on, in an analog way. So on all different types of uh, timescales from you know, microseconds to years. Um, and also on a lot of different spatial scales in, in a lot of different ways. And so like, if you just look inside one single neuron, the amount of computational complexity going on, it, I don't know exact numbers, but I, I, I would say it's probably orders of magnitude more than the, the biggest supercomputer that exists right now. Uh, just because you have all of these um, different types of computations going on at the molecular level, at the synapse level, um, on all these different timescales. And so I think, yes, computers have always been good at doing things that humans are not good at, uh, but also vice versa. Humans are good at things that uh, computers are not necessarily good at. Um, and so I think if you want to get to a point where AI is starting to rival humans, uh, you actually need to change the architecture of uh, digital computers into something that's more analog uh, and something um, uh, more computationally parallel. And so in, in the brain, you have one neuron, but you have, I think, there's more synapses in the brain, the connections between neurons than stars in the universe. Uh, and so you have this one neuron with this huge complexity computational complexity, but then you have lots and lots of neurons also, and they're all talking to each other. And then it just explodes the computational complexity that comes out of that. And so I think um, uh, to really advance AI uh, in bigger steps, you need to do some kind of similar type of architecture, fundamentally change how um, uh, digital, or let's say um, maybe digital is not the right word, but uh, the opposite of organic, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. Um, the architecture of that. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I think there's just so much, like so many fascinating thing, rabbit holes to go down. And I do think that like, I agree with you. I'm like, I think we're pretty far off from even scratching the surface on, on, mm. um, you know, coming close to what, you know, the human mind is capable of. Um, and, you know, have you ever seen the uh, Fantastic Fungi documentary no, about think... mushrooms? Um, it was interesting, and I've done like just a little bit of research on it, but uh, like fungus will grow in like a neural network. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it seems as though they, they believe it can send messages between like, you know, there'll be fungus that goes from a tree to another tree. Mm -hmm. And it can send messages to each other and actually send carbon. Like it can send its like life force to it as it's dying. Nutrients, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so I, I just think that's fascinating. Um, you know, that, or is it in your study, you know, you don't have to get too crazy into it. Just as a general question, but in your study of neuroscience, like, is that what, so is that what this, like it's an organic material that like we really can't replicate um but like other organisms can um maybe i don't understand the question i guess yeah oh well, yeah i guess i didn't really phrase that properly like um i just think it's fast like fascinating that 
there are like are there other neural networks we don't know about you know in this in the world that in the observable world I mean, neural refers to brains, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, other types of um, information networks in the world? Yeah, I'm sure. Like, or do you know of any organic informational networks outside of like, I know the fungus one, I'm like, oh, that's pretty fascinating. But I see people talk about like stars and they're like, oh, you know, look, look at like the, you know, the galaxy. It kind of looks like a neural network, you know, like the way they <laughs> work with gravity and everything like that. Um is there other stuff, other rabbit holes in the neural science that I should like go down and explore? Yeah, I, I don't think I can give a, a good answer, but I guess um, uh, like maybe just some keywords like graph theory, uh, things like that is analyzing um, uh, just how, how networks are constructed and how different types of network architectures can lead to um, different kinds of uh, emergent phenomenon. Um, and so I think there's graph theory, there's also um, some really beautiful work on uh, just patterns in nature and how patterns arise. Um, and yeah, I can't, I can't go much deeper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, that's kind of what I was looking for is like, I like, I love rabbit holes. I think people that listen to this podcast and are Bitcoiners really like rabbit holes as well. Um, you know, and, and so I, uh, I was like, as soon as you said you were in the neuro, like you did neuroscience, I was like, Oh, that kind of a couple of questions. Hole. Yeah. I was like, there's some, there's some rabbit, there's, a, there's probably more to it than, you know, the fungus one. I'm like, Oh, that's really interesting. And then, um, you know, I get fascinated by like gravity and its connection to, to everything. And, um magnetism different things you know wireless transmission of data all that kind of fascinating stuff that i'll sit there and talk to my wife about it and she's like oh my it's just like i don't please stop talking um <laughs> you know, she doesn't care at all but she'll give me like five minutes she's like okay you have five minutes to talk about this thing that i'm not interested in and i'm like blah, and i start talking about it um anyway so well uh thank you so much Douglas for coming on and thank you for supporting the show. Um, because, you know, I really do believe in the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet and, and everything you guys are doing. Uh, so, you know, tell people what they can look forward to anything on the horizon with, uh, with Bitbox, uh, any new products, anything that they should keep an eye out for. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, first of all, yeah. Thank you. Also, uh, happy to sponsor you. We're happy to support your mission. Uh, I think it's it's great. There's people like you out there trying to to educate educate the world. Um, so very happy about that. Um, and as far as us, uh, yeah, if if you want to learn more, you can find us on shiftcrypto.ch. Follow us on Twitter. We have a pretty active Telegram channel. Happy to to get people to come in and give us feedback about what you'd like us to do. <laughs> yeah, we're actually. Um, uh pretty proud we just released um a new update in partnership with another swiss company called pocket uh which makes uh buying bitcoin very easy and so a nice thing about switzerland is um you basically don't need kyc know your customers um stuff you don't have to give your passport if you're making daily purchases under 1000 swiss francs about a thousand dollars um, 
And we just uh, made a partnership with them. Uh, so within the Bitbox app itself, you can now um, buy Bitcoin very easily. Um, and non-KYC. And non-KYC, if you stick to those limits. Wow. You, you, will, you will need um, a European um, IBAN, a bank number. Uh, but I mean, even people in the US can get those nowadays with like Revolut or, or Wise, for example. And so I'd say this is probably open to people from the US too, although don't hold me on that, but it's uh, of course geared towards the European community. Um, and so non-KYC is pretty cool. So we're quite quite excited about that. And Pocket, I think, shares a lot of the philosophy that both, both you and I have also. Yeah. And um, also, we'd be happy for your feedback because we're now um, reaching out to our customers and the market in general, just to kind of probe some ideas for potential new hardware wallet that we're going to be working on. Awesome. Well, you hear that, everybody. Send your tips and everything to shiftcrypto.ch. And, um, and that's really awesome. That I, I did notice on the app that you can buy Bitcoin. I haven't done it yet through there. Uh, Just yeah. So um, that that's pretty awesome. And I didn't know that it was KYC free, which honestly, people would pay like a premium for that, you know, so uh, that's, that's good to know that it's, it's yeah, becoming it's available. KYC free and perhaps the cheapest uh, way to get Bitcoin. Um, oh. So low, low rates. Also. Awesome. Well, I thank you so much and I hope people start using that. And, and again, uh, as always, thanks for supporting the show. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Douglas for joining the show. Loved hearing his story and then even getting into the neuroscience rabbit hole. And, uh, and also thanks again to his company, Shift Crypto. Uh, go to shiftcrypto.ch slash Bitcoin Made Simple and get yourself a Bitbox O2 hardware wallet and take your coins off the exchange. And I will talk to you guys later.